This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Ryan Schroeder. Ryan, I've known you for a few years now. When I think of property management, you're one of the key people I think about of somebody who knows what's going on with property management. So if you could give the audience a little bit of a background about uh, what you have going on in real estate and how you got started. Wonderful, Matt. Thank you for having me. Um, so I have been in the field of property management for 13 years now. I can't believe it. It's one of those things that I honestly stumbled into. It wasn't like I set out to do it um, at the time. I started this business. I had just gotten out of a career as a hotel broker, uh, which I had done from 2005 to 2009. But in 2009, I went uh, a whole year without making any commissions and felt like it might be time for a change. But I also didn't want to leave the field of real estate. And uh, my business partner at the time, his name is Goran Vazovich. He's the V in VSM. So it was originally Vazovich Schroeder Management. Um, I helped him to get a job uh, at the sales company that we were at doing selling legal research to attorneys. And pretty quickly, we both got bored with that and uh, wanted to be entrepreneurs. So we started VSM uh, concurrently to doing the sales job. And the reason we did it was because during those days, almost everybody was upside down on their house. The real estate market had imploded. And so people were faced with the option of short selling or foreclosing or coming to cash, uh, coming to closing with uh, a ton of cash, or renting it out. We thought having people rent it out seemed like the most reasonable option. So we decided to form a business around helping those distressed homeowners to have an option that isn't detrimental to their credit. Yeah, that makes sense. That was a great time to start investing into real estate. And so you have a lot of, or you're managing the properties or you actually, like your company is managing the properties of a lot of different investors. Yes. And uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how, uh, you know, what you do to make it as passive as a process as possible for these passive or for these investors? Sure. So we definitely have our share of passive real estate investors. Some of them that live out of state and out of country. Um, I think it starts with establishing that you are knowledgeable in your field and that you are trustworthy. So I spend a lot of time getting to know them and understanding them and making sure that they're aligned with how we like to do things. We have pretty high standards here. We are trying to more compete on quality than we are on price. Um, and as far as, you know, how to be a passive investor, um, you know, I think it comes down to if you have the right company, first of all, you should be doing a lot of research on them, you know, talking to them, uh, getting reviews, getting references, things of that nature to be able to find out uh, what kind of a job that they do. And I find like reviews don't lie. If you if you see a company that has hundreds or thousands of reviews, you can generally extrapolate the quality of that company based on uh, their numerical rating. Um, but as far as how to be passive, um, you know, you just place your your trust and your faith in a in a company like ours to be able to find tenants, you know, manage it on an ongoing basis, be able to uh, take care of maintenance issues, meeting rental license city inspectors. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, one of the ways that we soothe our customers is by giving them weekly updates during the leasing process, so they know, you know, how many inquiries we've had. 
uh, what those inquiries were like, you know, what the, what the feedback was. Um, for maintenance, for example, we take before and after pictures of everything and we upload the actual invoices to their account. I mean, there's a lot of things that we do to try and demonstrate transparency so that our clients can feel in the know. Yeah, and I think you had a, a great point earlier of the reviews and the referrals is a great resource to know mm -hmm. whether a property management company is good or not. Not all yeah. property management companies are created equal. You know, some yeah. are just... Uh, uh, there's one that uh, you and I have talked about. I'm not going to mention their name online, but they're like the McDonald's of uh, mm -hmm. property management. They, you know, they have a big business, but they do it all crappily. You know? Right. So, um, but the referrals and, and ref uh, the referrals and reviews are are that uh, great source to know. And I would say it sounds like your investors are not truly a hundred percent passive because they're still you know involved in some port with the asset management because you're communicating with them and they have some decision-making power of or like the operations? I would characterize it as they, they fall on a spectrum. There's this continuum where we have some that are, we'll say more on the control freak end of the spectrum. They want to be updated and notified every, you know, week about what the activity is on the, you know, the leasing side of it. They're expecting you know, monthly reports and, and all of that. But then on the other end of the spectrum, we have some owners that have been with us for, you know, 10, 12 years that live in, you know, I've got one that lives in Japan, one that lives in Germany. They haven't even called or been to the property or really talked to us in 10 years. We just, we just let them know, hey, your, uh, you know, your garbage disposal went out and we had it fixed and here's the invoice and, you know, their, their rent proceeds um, are, you know, reduced by the amount of that invoice when they receive it and they just keep plugging along. I mean, it has a lot to do with the personality and the interest of the owner, how passive they want to be. We give them the option to be anywhere they want to be on that spectrum. That's nice that you tailor fit it to like where they want. So they can, you know, it's, it's up to the investor of like how passive or how active really they want to be. And then you give them that unique experience that's right for them. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely unique to each client. That's for sure. Um, we uh, we use a property management software called Appfolio, and in there we can keep notes on each of our clients. So we keep notes on their preferences for things like they prefer to use text or email or phone call. They prefer to handle all the maintenance themselves, or they don't. Uh, I mean, it's it it does get kind of tailored a bit. Nice. And I know you have a really unique experience with Section 8 uh, housing. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? So I do have some experience with Section 8. Uh, there are pros and cons, just like anything else. Um, so one of the pros, at least in my experience, is um, there's certain markets where you will actually get more money renting it uh, to a Section 8 tenant than you would trying to do it on a market rate. Um, so that sometimes is an advantageous way to approach it. Sometimes there's areas that it's just very difficult to even get a market rate tenant because of maybe it's a high crime area or something like that, where Section 8 really comes into play there as well. Um, you know, one of the downsides is it's another layer of government and, you know, approvals and inspections and all these different things that kind of come with it. Um so it's not for the faint of heart. If you're trying to go fast, Section 8 is not the way to go. Everything just kind of gets dragged down a little bit. Um, one of the main advantages is that 
all or the majority of the rent funds come from the federal government in a, in a, you know, just shows up in your account electronically. So there's less work for you to have to do to hunt down the rent. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely advantages and disadvantages and I don't always recommend it. Sometimes I do. It's very situational. Yeah, I think people either love Section 8 or they absolutely hate it. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's very rarely is it in between. Yeah. Uh, but I also like actually, how you... I would, go ahead. I'd say I'm in between, actually, believe it or not. Cool. I, I don't I don't have a disdain for it. Um, I will definitely say early on when I started in this business, uh, we bought properties that had been previously rented to Section 8 tenants and they were, had been destroyed. So my immediate impression of Section 8 is, oh, they're going to trash the place. But then... Little by little, um, once I actually started to have Section 8 tenants myself, I realized that there's not really a much difference in in the propensity for there to be property damage between Section 8 tenants and, and non. You know, it wasn't that different. So, yep. And I know all your units are in the Twin Cities area, but yes. uh, your Section 8, it sounds like uh, it tends to be in suburban areas rather than in like Minneapolis or St. Paul proper. Why do you, why do, you uh, do that? We do have both. Um, so I have uh, several in Minneapolis and St. Paul, but also part of what I had been interested in doing um, after doing some research on Section 8 is buying some investment properties myself. So I bought some in uh, Maple Grove, Blaine, and Eden Prairie. Um, those are markets where Section 8 payment standards are actually quite high and in some cases above market rate. And so What's great about it is, uh, you know, we bought them and we helped people who, you know, were, to be honest, they were, they were single mothers with multiple children. Typically, that seems to have been the profile of uh, the people that we have rented to on Section 8. And um, now that I've gotten to meet some of them along the way as well, you know, I actually feel good about what we're doing because um, there's very few opportunities for some people to get their children out of, you know, bad school districts and things like that and into, you know, better suburban areas. And this program allows for it. And uh, in, in the process of doing this, I did a lot of research. And one of the things that I found out is uh, the zip code that you live in is one of the biggest determining factors in everything from uh, teen pregnancy rates to high school graduation rate, college graduation rate, um, even like your average earned income and all this different stuff. So by giving people the latitude to move from one zip code to another, that is an improvement in their life situation. You know, I feel pretty good about knowing that that might make a difference for those people and the trajectory of their children. Awesome. Uh, that's great that you can give back in that sense. And I suspect at the same time that they're grateful for this opportunity that they're going to treat the place better then uh, as a result. Yes, that's also my experience thus far as well, is that the ones that we have provided to in the suburbs have generally been uh, very professional and good to deal with. So yeah. so what kind of deals are you focused on right now on buying? Right now, I, I found my own little niche in suburban townhomes. That seems to be what I'm all about. Uh, I like them because they have less to manage, you know, the association takes care of the snow, the lawn, exterior, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, my company has 
the bandwidth to you know keep the tenants in place and do the interior maintenance it's just a lot less for me to do so when you talk about passive real estate investing it's you know that's why i like townhomes it's one less thing to worry about um also i get a little bit of diversification because then i spread out these townhomes out in different cities and different complexes rather than having all my eggs in one basket like a like an apartment building or something like that so that's just been my mo uh, very few people share that investment strategy. So uh, who knows if I'm right or wrong, but that's what I like. And how are you finding these deals? I'd say about 50% of them are given or provided to me off market through wholesalers. And then the other 50% are things that I see on the MLS. Um, no matter what I buy, I'm always looking for a value add opportunity where the cost of the purchase and the improvements is still less than what the after repair value is. So it's tough for me to find things that fit that box, especially with how strong the real estate market has been the last few years. So gotten a what, lot more picky. What are your thoughts about this uh, coming year? Are there going to be more uh, deals to be had? What's interesting about that question is I woke up on Monday morning to a number of Facebook posts from realtors that I've networked with on Facebook saying uh, multiple offers are back, busiest weekend we've had, you know, in months and all this kind of stuff. So um, I think that the market might already be kind of turning the corner. The Fed's raised the interest rates uh, a couple of days ago, but it was only a quarter point. Stock market is surging. I don't know. It's, it's possible that I think the worst could be over. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not placing any bets on that necessarily, but uh, I think that interest rates that stay in the high fives to mid sixes, that's that's really not all that bad. It's That can be sustainable. We've just been spoiled for the last couple of years, but in reality, those are normal rates. Yeah, it's exactly. When you look at the average over time, I think it's uh, low sevens or something like that. Um, for it's the crazy because like, uh, I years. think- in in my real estate career, which has spanned um, almost twenty years now, I think it's only reached seven percent once. So, uh, well, the the eighties uh, had something yeah. to do with bringing that average. Yeah, up, certainly. But I but I started after you know in two thousand three, so um, wasn't even in the twentieth century. So, <laughs> so uh, a lot of the audience of this podcast are just solely passive investors where, for example, they're investing into a syndication. Uh, and mm-hmm. so they're not doing any of the asset management uh, and they, maybe they know who the property manager is or like the company anyway, but they're not involved with the day-to-day operations. But it's, I think it's important for them to at least have a good understanding of whether or not the property manager is doing a good job at the property because they're, you know, the property manager, as you know, is the make or break. And if a deal is going to work out or not, like you could buy it really well at a great price but a a property manager who's not doing a very good job they can run it to the ground so how can a passive like in addition to looking at referrals and reviews any other ways that a passive investor could tell whether or not uh, the uh, pm is is, uh, right for that uh, particular property i think one of the more important things that you'll see if you are going to be investing in a syndication deal is the you know the asset manager would provide you with a budget, you know, pro forma on everything. And then I'd like to see a PL that tracks pretty closely and see, 
you know, look for those variances and, you know, what is it? Why is it? Is there a quality explanation for why there was a variance? Um, and just kind of keep a little bit of a mindful eye on it. Um, and, you know, just don't take your eyes completely off it. I mean, I guess I'm of the mindset that you can be passive, but the more passive you are, you know, the more you're just kind of putting your faith in someone else. So um, if you if you want to look at it and verify it, you know, um, for example, I have invested in a syndication deal for a shopping mall. And um, before I bought it, I drove by and looked at all the stores and did a little bit of like cursory due diligence. And, you know, every once in a while, I, I drive by when they say that they placed a new tenant, I like to go by and see, oh, well, okay, I see the sign there that that new tenant is in fact there. So um, I have a little bit of a trust but verify mentality uh, when it comes to all of that. Um, as far as other things, uh, besides reviews and references, let me think. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say reputation, but that all kind of falls into the same umbrella. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things, though, that's really important. If if other people you know and trust have had good experience with a company or a person, you can generally you know, take that to the bank. Um, I always, and the flip side is true as well. I've met people along the way who have very poor reputations. And, you know, as a result, I, I steer clear of them if, if that's what their reputation around town is. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's a lot of people in real estate, but really it's a small world and word mm -hmm. gets around pretty quickly if you're uh, garbage. Uh, but that's great advice of, you know, trust, but verify. And I think with yeah. syndications, people can like investors can decide like how you know much they want to pay attention to things like you could invest without even looking at the numbers and or mm -hmm. what the deal is and just wire your money over uh or you could look at you know read every word of the pro forma and the operating memorandum and every you know uh, and look at all the updates and drive by to verify that the tenant in the mall is is there actually uh but so you can kind of customize as a passive investor where you're at just like with your property management company investors can customize like how involved that they are. Yeah. Uh, I, th I thought of one other thing too, which is um, be wary of returns that seem unrealistic. Um, you know, for example, I've read about a number of like Ponzi schemes and things. Uh, and I read about one this morning and it was the, the, the person who was putting it together was, you know, flashing Lamborghinis and private jets and all this stuff and was telling people, I'll give you 40% return on your money, you know, and 20% a month and all these numbers that are just unrealistic numbers. I mean, to me, that would be a red flag if somebody was putting together an investment and they said more than a 20% return. I'd be very suspicious of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, and, and also like there's a, uh, some operators of syndications that, uh, uh, you know, the, if the property is not cash flowing, then they go into a reserve fund to be able to pay the dividends to the investors. Mm -hmm. And so that's just what giving you your own money back as the investor yeah. is uh, pretty silly Oof. in my mind. <laughs> yeah, that is. Anyway, are you ready for a speed round? Sure. All right. What is your favorite part about real estate investing? The way that it grows over time. And what do you know now about uh, real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? that I should have been more aggressive and allowed time to, cause time was on my side when I started and I wish I would have not been so conservative and just bought up everything that I could have seen. 
Oh yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. You're like, oh right. The, the deal, the deals that I were presented early on in my career are sensational compared to what I can get now. I, I hear you. Like in, for example, in two thousand ten, I learned about Bitcoin and thought about buying some as just a joke. And <laughs> if I had, <laughs> things would be different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, oh well. Uh, what's a book that you could recommend to passive real estate investors? Passive real estate investors, hmm. you know, I really like the book Real Estate Loopholes by Garrett Sutton. It talks a lot about um, the tax advantages of investing in real estate, as well as how you prevent yourself from getting sued. I don't know that it's the best one for passive, but because for me, it was more a book that um, kind of inspired me to get into the business that I'm in. So Whenever I meet people who have aspirations of investing in real estate, I typically recommend that book. But, um, but I guess I mean, there, there's all I all I read is self improvement books and uh, and real estate books. So I don't even know what would be a good one for. I guess there's books out there on passive real estate investing. Uh, our friends Anthony Bacino and Dan Kruger wrote a book on uh, being a passive real estate investor. But that's a good one for somebody to look at. Yeah, yeah, both both are good, uh, but they. Uh, loopholes in real estate that's another excellent book that i really enjoyed as well garrett sutton super smart guy uh, i love that guy yeah lays it out uh you know explains like how to put your real estate investment into trusts and things like yep. that so you defer 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 your taxes and then you die yeah. and, and then uh, defer it more for your inheritors i feel like i got a bachelor's degree in real estate investing by reading that book very good and then uh how can our listeners get in contact with you with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on you can reach us. Um, our company name is VSM Real Estate. So my email is Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at vsmrealestate.com. If you are a phone and text guy, my number is 612-396-5216. And I'd certainly love to work with anybody who's looking to uh, be a passive real estate investor. We can definitely provide all the solutions that they need. And they can be as hands-on or hands-off as they choose. Great. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered so far? I will say property management is dirty work and it is very difficult to make it so that everybody's happy all the time. So tenants are going to have their own perspective on how things should go. The investor is going to have their own perspective. There's the laws and the government and all these different things that have to be balanced. So my, my, final words would be, you know, be kind to your property manager, because it's generally a very low margin and thankless work that uh, is is difficult. And so um, don't expect perfection, like no more than you could expect perfection. If you hired someone to clean your home, they might miss a spot, they might, you know, not ever get it perfect, but, you know, be able to zoom out and look at it more abstractly, and recognize that um, it's a very difficult position with a lot of conflicting interests involved to manage. Very good. Excellent advice. Well, thank you, Ryan, and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you, Matt. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.